Welcome back to the Not Just a Bikini Girl podcast. This is your host, Jasmine Jeffrey. And today we have a returning guest. Hopefully you guys and guys will remember this lady. We've got some exciting updates and just wanted to get her back on. So welcome, Destiny, to the podcast once again. Hi. We, were, we literally spent the first like five minutes before we recorded start talking about her new phone case, which was very, very exciting. So if anyone hasn't heard of the Gecko case, get on that. <laughs> Where is it? Hold on. So this is the Gecko case that I just got. I saw it on Instagram and it's um, basically, uh, I can call it a sticky, but it's not sticky to touch. It's a phone case that sticks to any surface. So at the moment, I've stuck the phone on my chest of drawers. Um, and then when I do my check-ins, I can stick it to a mirror or a window just to make it so much easier. So have a look into it. Um, I only got it today, so I will have a good play with it today and see what the reviews are. But definitely have a look. I feel like it could be life-changing. You never know. You never know who's, who's <laughs> check-in you've just completely like changed for the, for the good. I mean, I mean, at the moment, my check-ins are a balancing act of a radiator, um, a tissue box and a water bottle to then prop my phone up. That's my usual setup. So I just needed anything that was going to improve that, basically. I love that you use a tissue box. That's hilarious. But I need a bit of height, that's why. Okay, then there's just makes sense now. (laughs) So if you you listeners haven't listened to the first episode we did, I really do recommend that you do, because hopefully this episode will make a bit more sense afterwards. But talk to us, Destiny how things have been I'm gonna I can't actually remember when we first had you on I'm gonna think it's like I think it was July wasn't it July July, August yeah Yeah. that makes sense so yeah long time how's everything been and kind of give us a run through we'll go from there yeah so I'll do like a really really brief background history so um just in case you I can't listen to the previous one so I was diagnosed with cervical cancer stage 2b in June of 2020 and I then came on the podcast, I think it was around about July. So I had started my chemotherapy. So I, my treatment plan was six weeks chemotherapy once a week, which was in relation to the radiotherapy. The, the chemo was absolutely fine. Um, I wore a cold cap. So basically it's like a swimming cap that you put on your head and it freezes your hair follicles to prevent your hair from falling out. And it worked for me, it's amazing. So yeah, that worked perfect for me. And then the second six weeks was radiotherapy every single day, Monday to Friday for six weeks, alongside still having the chemotherapy once a week. So that required me to actually um, attend UCLH hospital every single day, which was really tiring. So luckily I got some funding from um, a a cancer charity and got an apartment in central London for six weeks so I didn't have to keep traveling in and out and that was a massive lifesaver um at the end of the radiotherapy which is external radiation I had to have something called BRCA therapy which is internal radiation um which required me to stay in hospital for about four days which was in the middle of a pandemic absolutely horrible completely isolated by myself was really not a very nice experience but that was right at the end of my treatment Um, which was amazing to finish. And then it was then the really long recovery stage. So it was probably, I'm now three and a half months post finishing treatment. And it would only probably be since the last month that I've started feeling like my energy's come back, my strength, I'm feeling back to my old self again. And that's only really been the last, like probably since Christmas time that I've started feeling like that. It was really hard to go from, going into hospital every day, having treatment, having this fight, fight, fight attitude to then being in a state of recovery and waiting for your results. So with cervical cancer as well, they do not scan you for three months after you finish treatment to find out whether the treatment's been successful or not, which is the longest three months of your life. The wait is very, very long. So during that time, you're just trying to be positive. You're trying to overcome the symptoms. The Side effects of the chemo and radiation last for sort of anything from like 12 weeks plus. So I've only really just got over that. And that's really hard going as well, understanding that you aren't having treatment anymore, but your body is still recovering. Um, So it is really, really like important that I was listening to my body 
took a long time to recover. The side effects were very intense. So the radiotherapy um, left me very fatigued. I had a lot, a lot of pain. So I was on very strong painkillers, which yet again made me very tired. The sickness was very bad as well. So there was a lot of side effects that continued, even though I'd finished treatment. And that was really hard. I tried to start introducing um, some sort of like getting out walking, but I was just too tired, basically. I would say that was maybe harder, the recovery stage than the, um, the treatment. And I think more because when you're having treatment, there's a lot of support. There's doctors, nurses, even family and friends are there to help you every step of the way. But then as soon as the treatment had finished, you kind of felt like I was no longer going into hospital. I didn't have that support. And also I was then back in the flat by myself. So I didn't have that support network either of family and friends checking up on you. So that was quite difficult. But on the 22nd of December, I had my results from my scan, which showed that the cancer, the tumour had gone. So I am now what they call in remission. So that's absolutely brilliant news. Amazing that the treatment had worked. And basically now every three months, I will have a follow up for the next two years to check that the cancer hasn't returned. Um, The first two years are like the kind of danger zones, if that makes sense. So once you kind of go past the two years and they're extended, I'll only be checked every sort of six months or a year. But the first two years are the most important. If I can make it through the first two years without relapsing to so getting the cancer back, then I have a really good chance that it won't come back in the future. So that's really positive. So I'm just basically now trying to get back to my old self. I've started working with a coach to improve my diet because obviously my over the course of having chemo and radiation, I can't tell you how different my diet was. I lived off cereal and toast. My taste buds changed so much. Food that I used to love, I hated. Um, just loads of loads of strange things happened with my diet. Also with the radiation, I wasn't allowed to eat much fiber and I wasn't allowed to eat fruit and vegetables. Okay. So I didn't have any of that sort of food for a very long time. And actually from the course of starting my treatment, from the end of my treatment, I lost about 10 kilos because wow. I just wasn't eating. I was being sick a lot. But I know that probably a fair amount of that was muscle as well because I haven't trained consistently. The last time I trained consistently in a gym was before the first lockdown, which was March. So wow. it's been a good amount of time I've been out of the gym. I've been able to get back in the gym for odd sessions here and there, but nothing consistently. So that's been a big change to my body and how I look at things as well so I've started working with a coach who's helping me with my diet just to try and get all the nutrients back in that I need and I'm very fortunate that I have a half decent home gym set up I'm just slowly getting back into training now so I'm training three to four times a week and just this week actually I would say that I'm probably about 90% back at strength of what I was maybe pre-lockdown well not pre-lockdown but like pre Mm. pre pre-diagnosis so that's going really positive and I'm just starting to try and get my energy back so I'm not having naps anymore because I'm trying to improve my sleep at night so it's just really slow things like that trying to improve my life back again I can't go back to work yet because of COVID um, and my my blood counts aren't good enough Um, it's not safe for me to go back to work so I'm still shielding so I get out and do my hours walk a day and that's basically all I can do. So hopefully in a couple of months time, when the gyms do open, I'll be back to sort of 95% of what I was before and I can get back into the gym and really start making some improvements. I'm sure we're all feeling like we need the gyms back in our lives now. So yeah, definitely. I've got so many questions from like you just talking then. Like let me go <laughs> to the first one. So you mentioned mm. that you had to wait three months for the results like why is there a reason for that three months is it because of COVID or is it because that's just the general procedure yeah so it's um when I first heard this I was absolutely horrified um being a nurse myself I was like how can you make someone wait three months you even know what you don't so I looked into this quite a lot so basically the internal radiation the brachytherapy causes a lot a lot of um, trauma and inflammation to inside the cervix area so they fear that by scanning too soon 
some inflammation or trauma or damaged tissues could appear to look like tumor left. So they want to wait three months for all of that to die down for you to have to have the best chance of seeing a clear picture. I think previously they may have scanned too soon for other women and then it came back that they thought they still had tumor but it wasn't it was just the inflammation from the tissue damage from the radiation so that's why they decide to wait which it's very hard um to do that um the only part that i kind of took some reassurance from is before they do the brachytherapy which is the last part of your treatment they they give you a scan because they need to know exactly so if the internal radiation is where they insert some metal probe rods right into the tumor through your cervix so in order for them to know where they're going to put these they need to do a scan so the only kind of reassurance I had was when I had that scan pre-brachytherapy my consultant said that there was minimal tumor left and that she was very confident that this last bit of internal radiation would get rid of that tumor so that was really reassuring obviously minimal tumor is no not no tumor so there's still some there but it was that was the most reassurance I could get basically for that. So it is a very long wait, but it's better to wait than to have a scan too early and to get false results basically. Mm. Please tell me they put you to sleep when you when they do that to you. So you go to sleep oh when they put it in. What? They don't put you to sleep when it comes out. <gasps> so um Mate, nah, yeah. Nah. That must be it, like Oh, my God. It, I, I've never had children, but I can tell you now that is what I felt like I was giving birth. And I've spoke to I've reached out to so many women on social media that had the same treatment as me. And people that have had children have said it's worse than childbirth. I've had people say it's literally like torture, like and but we're all gobsmacked that in this day and age, they do that to people without putting them to sleep they give you gas and air and that's it and everyone I've spoken to like because some of the some of the videos are literally all of us just go like this yeah we had to have brachytherapy it's absolutely horrendous and if you want to know more look into it because that's all we can say about the matter it was literally the most horrendous moment yeah so if anyone is interested just google it I know um they do it for prostate cancer as well which I have no words for that I have no words of how them poor men must feel having that pulled out. But it was horrendous. It was it probably took about 10 minutes to remove. Um, <gasps> what? With gas and air. It was oh. horrendous. Yeah. So they, they put you to sleep to put it in and then you have it in for two days. So during them two days, you have an epidural to numb you from the spine downwards. And you're basically in a hospital bed you have to lay completely flat you can't move and you have the metal probes inside you whilst the radiation's going in basically so they give you the blast of radiation through the metal like probes yeah it's it's not it's not pleasant and it's something that you you really wouldn't you wouldn't want even your worst enemy to maybe have it wasn't very nice and then yeah so that was the 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 hardest part and like I said you're in hospital you're in a lot of pain very like a lot of discomfort you can't move and I I actually couldn't sit down for over a week after having it removed my mum went out and brought me a rubber ring with a hole in the middle so I could sit down I was in I was in a lot of pain after that and I could only relate to the poor women that have very nasty births because I can relate to that now so it wasn't it wasn't a very nice um experience at all but it had to be done and actually it's the internal radiation that does the most damage to the tumor but it's also what does most damage to your body Mm. so in terms of um like fertility and damage and stuff it's the actual internal radiation that probably does the most damage because it is so strong and powerful because it's going straight into the cervix so Mm. basically it's just frazzling burning whatever words you want to use it Mm. zapping the tumor but obviously it zaps all around that area so it's it's a good treatment but it's not a particularly nice treatment to have I 
I think you've done very well on Instagram and social media to still be very positive. And mm. I can imagine for you, there's been a lot of dark moments, like a lot of dark, dark moments of being by yourself in pain. Like, yeah. how, talk us through like that process because you know all of us have dark moments, but none of us have had the dark moments that. Mm. You, just mentioned like how we've been in that place like how do you kind of I guess like talk to yourself because you have like you but the mental fortitude of that yeah I can't even imagine like the dark places that, you, that you've gone to this year but I don't like I think you've done very well on your socials to remain positive but I can imagine some days that must have felt like from the heart a really really difficult thing to do like if I was you I'd yeah every day like yeah um I think in terms of like social media um I started the page and I said that I wanted to share the journey and I wanted to be honest about it I didn't want to sugarcoat anything I didn't want it to look like it was fairies when it wasn't sort of thing so I said I wanted to be completely honest it got to a stage where you do feel like you are being very negative because you're telling the truth about things however I always felt like there was someone out there that was worse off than me. So that's why I stayed positive. And also I felt like I wanted to share the truth, but I wanted to, you know, keep positivity at the front of my mind, the same as the responses I got. So I always felt like I got very positive responses, which then boosted me rather than if I was very, very negative. I feel like the energy I would attract was very like a lot of negativity um, I was actually part of a Facebook group for cervical cancer um, fighters and I found they were, they were there were a lot of Americans on there and I ended up leaving the group because they were all very, very negative and they were, it just wasn't a very good energy to be around. So that's why I wanted to try and even though I was being honest about maybe how I was feeling or how horrible something was or how much pain I was in, I always wanted to stay positive because I didn't want someone else looking at my page who was about to go through it and think, oh my God, like that's what it does to you sort of thing. Also, I think I touched upon this before, but as crazy as this sounds, I think you can train your mind into having a certain mindset. And I feel like through competing, so I spoke about this before. So when I first started at the gym with my personal trainer about six, seven years ago, I was like the most negative person like can't do this can't do that I'll never achieve anything and when I met my personal trainer he literally changed my mindset so much so he actually had his leg amputated when he was about 16 and since then he's never let anything stop him so he's a personal trainer he has appeared on front of men's health magazine he's such a bit he's Mr UK or Mr England um He's done, he's achieved so much. He's actually part of the Olympics, the GB Olympics team and stuff. So he massively like changed my mindset. And through that process, I then became like, he would say to me, I'll do like 10 step ups with no weights. And I'd be like, oh no, I can't do that. And he was like, how do you know you've not tried it? And I'm like, no, I know I won't be able to. So he right from the start, you know how we all have that one person that I think changed you as a person. It was him. My personal trainer um, changed me and my outlook on life and my outlook on myself as well and my self-belief so through training but then more importantly when you then start competing I honestly think your mindset changes so much and I'm not comparing them at all but if you can get through a prep I think you can get through anything in life because the mindset that I had through my treatment was the mindset I had during prep I can compare them so much so prep the only person that can do the work is yourself. No one can do it for you. The only person you can rely on is yourself. The only person that can talk to you in your head. You know, when you're doing them cardio sessions at peak week, two weeks out, and you're like, I can't do this anymore. No one can physically do it for you. The amount of times my mom said to me, if I could go through this for you, you know, I would. And I said, I know you would, mom, but you can't. And it's the same with prep. No one can do your cardio for you. No one can, you know, we've all had it, can't sleep because we're so hungry or so fatigued or with me I get really bad blisters when I do so much cardio on prep 
no one can do them shifts for you you have to do them yourself and through competing through prepping that's the mindset I now have and also to sort of give yourself them pep talks we've all had them you know the days that you wake up and you're like I don't want to do this anymore fuck it I'm gonna have a binge tonight I'm just gonna go and order dominoes I'm not doing this anymore we've all had them days on prep and if you haven't you're lying because you know you have so that's how I felt with my treatment I knew it wasn't an option to give up but there were days where I would lay in bed and my mom would be like come on we need to get you to your radiotherapy and I'd be like no I'm not going nope not going and my mom would just leave me and then like five minutes later I'd be up dressed walking down the road and it's it's training your mind to know that yeah you can have a little bit of a whinge you can have a moan you can have a cry you can have a rant but at the end of the day you've got to do it the job's got to get done and I think a lot of that mindset has been through competing so I take a lot of like positivity from that knowing that there's there's a goal at the end that you need to achieve and it's the same with standing on stage that is the the goal you want to achieve so every day you're walking towards another day towards that and that's how it was with my treatment like my mom joked with me she was like from day one of treatment she was like this is a 12-week prep every week she would say oh 11 weeks out 10 weeks out because my mom's my mom's done three preps with me so she knows exactly the the positivity that I need you don't need someone that is going to be dragging you down so I think that mindset is definitely something that I do owe like competing bodybuilding to definitely and I think once you've got that mindset then you can almost get through any situation in life like I do honestly believe that Mm. you mentioned there about like positivity and having to remove yourself from Facebook groups and all that sort of thing like with your recovery do you feel like you know pick and choosing who you have around you do you have you continued that now going forward absolutely 100% and I think it's it's the influences that you have around you that encourage you and form you as a person so I felt like I would I would see people on the Facebook group saying that they were three years post-treatment and they're still too tired to work, which I'm not saying isn't true. But I feel like if that's the information you're being fed and that's the information you're taking on board, you then take that on board and go, oh, okay, then so I can't go back to work for three years. Whereas I surround myself with very positive people. So not so much cancer sufferers, but there's a lot of people that have overcome a lot, injuries, um, there's people that have overcome mental health problems and they haven't let, you know, eating disorders, especially sort of is a big link with bodybuilding, um, people that have had operations. And I think they all recovered and they all got back on it. And that's how I felt with me. Obviously, I had to listen to my body to make sure that I wasn't overdoing it. And I still am now. I'm being careful. But I knew that I wanted to get back into training as soon as I was physically able to. And I'm not going to use excuses. I'm not going to sit back and go, oh, it's only been three months since I finished treatment. Oh, it's a bit too soon because Julie on Facebook said that she couldn't even lift a cup of tea for six months. Like, you know, and I'm not, everyone's different. But for me, I just wanted to be surrounded by very positive people that would encourage me. And like I said, it's all baby steps. I'm being very careful introducing training again. But I think for me, it's just being influenced by very positive people. And because I do believe also, because I was fit and healthy and active before, I mean, I was prepping for five months up until March. So, I mean, I was, you know, really pushing myself up until March and then obviously was diagnosed three months later. So I do think that having that sort of um, starting my treatment already at a certain level of fitness and health, I guess you can call it. Mm. um, I felt like it was a lot easier for my body to recover rather than yet again maybe somebody who wasn't ever into exercise before or didn't really follow a good diet I mean I've started a diet plan but actually it's all the foods that I was eating anyway it's not like I'm doing anything crazy different so I think that has obviously massively impacted my recovery and I'm not saying it's the same for everyone everyone is very different but just for me I think them two factors of having a positive mindset but also being like strong and healthy I feel like has massively like the amount of people that I know through the cancer world that are like, I can't believe you're doing that at three months after treatment. And I'm like, Oh, am I not supposed to? And they're like, no, I just think it's amazing. Like, you know, and that's just the type of person that I am. I wanted to get back into training as soon as I could. So that was, you know, my motivation to improve and get better health wise. 
I think it's fascinating though, like the power of pick and choosing like the environment that you mm. have and what's happening around you. Like I think yeah. we've all been there sometimes when you know maybe we're in like households or workplaces or school where like everyone's saying a certain thing or a certain like thought yeah. and like you're really it's hard not to kind of you know by like herd mentality to go into that and you only realize the power of different people different mindset is when you come out of that and then yeah. you start to change like it's really really fascinating another question I really want to ask you like you've mentioned mm. about trying to kind of find like come back to like yourself and find yourself like mm. throughout your chemo how did it affect like your sense of self and how do you how did you slash do you come back so mm. you go back to where you were because you're a different person now but how like how do you get how, I guess bouncing back like that's a big thing that people have to do yeah whether they're going through chemo or not, everyone has that sense of like needing to bounce back in a certain way and find themselves, especially when they do feel quite lost and they have got times alone. Like a lot of us have got a lot of time alone. And sometimes when you're alone with your own thoughts, like you're literally battling Mm -hmm. against yourself. What sort of things like have you done or have you kind of learned or the sort of progress to get yourself to the place that you are now, considering what you have gone through? Mm. Yeah. Yeah, of course. Like, you know yet again I can draw so many similarities on this experience as I did with competing so through this through my treatment I lost all my identity I was a cancer patient Mm. I was a chemo patient I went into hospital every single day I was just not just a number but I was just another Mm. number to them I went in had my treatment came home I didn't have literally it became a full-time job especially when I was in daily I didn't have time for anything else I didn't have energy for anything else very similar to what you are on prep you are so focused and like I said especially when you're having treatment you are so focused on fighting it that all your energy and strength goes into that one thing um I kind of look back on it now and think it was such a blur like things that happened like my nephew was born right in the middle of my treatment like I don't really remember them first moments of me meeting him I can see pictures but I was I had so much like chemo brain fog is a real Mm. thing like prep brain is a real thing chemo brain is a real thing I was on so much pain relief that a lot of these like moments are a blur I don't really remember looking back on them now however what I do remember is it's going to sound absolutely crazy but if you've ever competed you will be able to relate to this so you go through 12 weeks where your life is consumed by this there's nothing else you can do or think about other than this cancer treatment then the minute I stopped and I was then woke up that first morning and I was by myself, you know, didn't have, I just felt like I lost all purpose. I was like, I don't have a purpose anymore. What am I doing? And I feel like the only other time in my life I felt like that is prep. When you have your show day and then afterwards you have them like post show blues where you're just literally like, literally I don't know what to do with my life anymore. I was going to say to you like the post show. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, So it, it feels like, you then lose like all purpose and I'm sure the first time that you compete and you have this feeling you literally do feel really lost and you don't really know what to do and yet again like I can draw so many similarities so you just feel like you need to focus your attention on something so a lot of people as soon as you compete you then throw yourself into off season because you want to make you know you want to make some gains for your next time competing and that's how I had to deal with so I'd lost I'd lost my normal identity and turned into a cancer patient. But then at the end of that treatment, it was then having to turn myself back into who I was. So that's when it became quite like challenging. But as always, you know, any aspect of your life, like you say, set yourself goals. I can honestly tell you now, like when I say I set myself goals, it would be like to actually walk to the bathroom and brush your teeth twice a day was my my first goals because I didn't have energy to do that. Um, then within a couple of weeks, it'd be like, try and walk five minutes around the block. So even though, or like FaceTime my family every day to have someone to talk to. So, and actually I worked through these things with um, a clinical psychologist who has been amazing um, and actually helped me with these coping strategies. So there was a lot of times where because of the lockdown, because I'm vulnerable, I have to shield. I'm about by myself a lot of the time. So there has been moments where 
you feel very lonely. There has been moments, and I'm yet again, I'm sure with the lockdown now, a lot of people can relate to that. But like I said, it is just setting yourself little small goals. And I moved, um, I think I was maybe about six weeks post-treatment, and I set myself really small goals. Like I painted, I decorated, really small things like that, just to keep my mind focused and have that sense of achievement. I knew that I couldn't go back to training straight away as much as that was my passion. I couldn't allow my body to do that straight away. So I had to find myself other ways to keep busy. And like I said, the walk-in slowly introduced that. I couldn't walk up. So I'm on the third floor in my flat. And yet again, I couldn't walk up my my flight of stairs to my flat for well, the whole time I've lived here because I'd be too out of breath. Whereas I can now do that because I've taken it slowly and sort of given myself weird little goals. So whether you're coming out of a show, whether you're coming out of something else, I think it's always having, and I'm sure most of us can relate now that as soon as we finish competing, the first thing we do is message our coach and we're like, right, we need a new plan because you just need to feel, I like to have structure. I like to have goals and I like to feel like I've achieved something. So that is the main thing. But I think if that is something you struggle with, then there's always someone out there that has more experience that can help you with that. And I think that's the most important thing that you can, especially with our community that we now have with, you know, bikini competitors and stuff. There's always so many people out there that are willing to help. And it's the same with me. I kind of continued to use Instagram to connect with other women that were going through treatment and use that as a way of me feeling like I had a bit of a role and a bit of a like a meaning to get up every day and to message people back and stuff like that so it has been great both for me and for other people to kind of keep with that Instagram page so what are your plans like are you going to keep that page going now Mm. what is the plan yeah so I thought about it initially I was like once I got the all clear at the end of December, I was like, I don't really know what I'm going to post anymore. Cause I don't like people are just going to get bored. I can't keep doing throwbacks and stuff. So initially I was like, Oh, I'm just going to stop. But I felt like I was still getting a lot of questions. A lot of women messaging me, asking me um, about what symptoms I had or queries about smear tests or, you know, uh, even if it wasn't directly associated with someone going through cancer treatment I still felt like I was getting sort of like 10 messages a day and I just felt like it'd be such a shame to cut that off so I was like I'll continue it for a little bit and see how it goes and then then obviously with the cervical cancer prevention week I was like oh it'd be quite good if I could you know just help raise a bit more awareness again it's the week on that I could do this on so I was like brilliant and I just thought you know what I don't want to hear my own story. Like I've had enough of hearing my own story now. So through social media, obviously I've met other women across the world really who have gone through cancer treatment as well. So I reached out to them and said, you know, would any of you girls like to share your story on my page to my viewers just to help raise awareness because I'm not the only one that's gone through this. And I know for a fact that I'm actually quite fortunate when you hear stories that I'm sharing there's a lot of women that have gone through a lot worse times than me. So I can acknowledge that. And I want to share that information. So initially the plan was to have seven women, including myself, so I could share a story every day um, for the week. And just to help raise a bit more awareness, I actually managed to get, I think, well, we've got 11 of us now. So over, it's a bit longer than a week, but over the course of the week, I'm sharing someone's story every day. And to be honest, it's been absolutely amazing because I've connected with people that maybe I wouldn't have spoken to. I've got so much from it. And actually, like one of the ladies, we've always spoken on Instagram, but never kind of on a personal, personal level. We've just spoke about cancer. And um, she literally lives like 20 minutes down the road from me. So it's absolutely crazy. And I would never have known that if it wasn't for me doing this campaign there's a there's a lady who I posted her story today. She is from Australia and she is also a bikini competitor. Who would have thought it? And uh, yep, and we've got someone on the um, campaign from Canada, someone from, I think she's from Edinburgh, so Scotland anyway. So it's brought together a lot of different women. Um, mm. And it's just been so nice because we now feel like now we've shared our stories with each other. And obviously I'm sharing them every day on Instagram. I feel like I've got like a whole new group of friends now. As much as we've spoke and asked each other advice, there's a whole new level of 
now feeling like we really know each other and we can ask each other advice. And that's something that I think if I had shut down the Instagram page when I had planned, that would have been such a shame because I would have missed out on this whole like experience. So I'm so glad I did it. So basically the campaign is 11 stories over 11 days and it's just basically um, every woman has been affected by cervical cancer and everyone just wants to share like the videos are sort of like five to six minutes long and it's just talking from the heart talking about our experiences and how it's affected us and I think the message that I want people to take from these is it can honestly happen to anyone and I never thought it would happen to me and every other woman that I've spoken to says I never thought it would happen to me either and I think it's just trying to raise awareness. So like I said, I'm not I'm not asking for money. I'm not asking for donations. Simply all I'm asking for is people to watch the video and take home the message and to share it with their friends and family, which obviously, as we all, all on Instagram, is so easy to just share a video now, isn't it? So that's all we're asking for, really, just for people to watch our video and to see that it can honestly happen to any of us. And I think the out of the 11 of us the oldest one is 33 and I think that is what kind of surprised me because yet again I was told at the age of 27 that I was too young to have cancer which just goes to show that actually it is becoming um, a lot more common uh, amongst the younger population now and you know a lot of us are very fit and healthy and we never thought this would happen to us. So yeah, we're just trying to share as many stories as we can, raise as much awareness um, of cervical cancer and also the importance of smear tests. So there's a couple of stories um, that I'm sharing where women were diagnosed with cervical cancer stage like stage two, stage three, and they had no symptoms. And the only way they found it was through their regular three yearly smear test. And if it wasn't for that appointment, they they probably would have died so you know it's so important so that's the message we're just trying to spread for now um so I've been very busy the last week with my with my campaign like with the smear test is I say mm. three is every three years like I think I've just had my letter actually not yeah. too long ago because I oh what was it is the HP HPV virus <laughs> Yeah, so I had, yeah. I think they mentioned about the HPV virus last year, and then I've got to go back in again. Um, yeah. But then I guess if I ha- if I didn't have the HPV, then I wouldn't have to go in at least for another two Three. years, wasn't it? Three years. Yeah, which does seem like a very long time, and I think that is crazy to think that it is only every three years, but I just think it is so important to also know what's normal for you, and if you have any anything different so I think yet again I've touched upon it in my last podcast but I think as a bikini competitor especially when it comes to periods and stuff we do sometimes fall in that category of not really knowing what's normal for us anymore and I know obviously because I was prepping and was three weeks out and then started having sort of abnormal bleeding and stuff initially my thought was it's because of my diet it's because of my training but then as soon as I stopped prepping and went back to a normal diet and no training because of lockdown and that didn't improve that was then my signs to think something's not right here and also in my videos the one I shared today Amy she said exactly the same so she said in the past she's dieted she's got very lean and her periods have stopped so she'd never really known what's been normal for her um so when she did have abnormal bleeding she didn't really know whether that was normal or not and I think that's something that us as bikini girls just need to be really and I know there's been a lot more conversation over the last couple of years of making it more talked about with your coaches or with your other fellow bikini competitors and just try and be more aware of what is normal and what should be expected if you are prepping should it be normal that your periods stop or when you finish prepping should it be normal that your periods are then really heavy or you know just kind of knowing what is normal for you um and if there is any any abnormalities in that then you need to obviously speak to your gp and try and get someone to have a look at that because you the longer you leave it the worse it's going to get basically i think it's hard for us as well like even i think we mentioned about this the last episode going to the gp is a tricky one Mm. especially with lockdown but then like having to go 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 to them be like hi i compete yeah you start the conversation with that 
whatever you say next, they're going to go, oh, it's like the one, not all of them, but I think my fear with my GP would be like, oh, it's just because you just, you know, you've just been, I'm like, well, it could not be that. It could not be that. Exactly. (laughs) And I think that is kind of something that I know that that's the message I like to try and get across is as you know, your body best and you know, if I've competed twice before and I never had abnormal bleeding with any of with any of my preps before so why was I getting it this prep why would why would I have that so it's kind of as much as and like you say you don't want to go to a GP and they say oh it's because your body your body fat's too low it's because your weight's too low um it's because you're not eating enough because yeah we know that's what we do to ourselves but that shouldn't excuse why and I've always said this like with any sort of male friends or anything like that that have had issues and they're like well, I can't go to the GP because they just tell me, well, I can clearly tell you that you take steroids. And I'm like, yeah. Yeah, but they won't dismiss you. They can't shut down your problems just because you potentially take steroids. And it's the same with us girls that, yeah, we might we might have to eat extremely low um, fats and carbs or whatever it is, whatever diet you go on, you might have to do hours and hours of cardio, which is putting your body under strain, but that shouldn't dismiss any concerns you have. So I would always encourage women that no matter what, I know it is hard, but no matter what, you know what still what is normal for you and what isn't. So if you do have anything like that, then still try and go. I know obviously with lockdown and stuff, it is hard, but and definitely don't miss your smears. Like mm. definitely that is, you know, the key message for sure. Yeah. I think that these days when I go to the GP, I don't even mention, I just don't mention anything. Compete on what? which is which is frustrating like my husband it has in his records that you know he takes steroids and I feel for him because you know he's got a really bad headache at the moment I'm just saying like it's been going for ages like you need to go yeah he's like he just goes I know what's gonna happen he goes I know what's gonna happen I'm gonna go in there and look at my records and go oh there you go it's steroid like it's just ridiculous so I think it is trying to, I think it is trying to like obviously be persistent with it. And I think I've found yeah. in the past finding your right doctor, the one that you can kind of build that rapport with. So absolutely like I have I've actually blacklisted a couple of doctors at my surgery because I think I mentioned to this in the first episode, but I tried said to them, my dad's got a heart condition, it's genetic, I need the echocardiogram. Yeah. And they shut me down. I literally came out of that appointment. I was like, whoever I've just seen, can you blacklist that on my list, please? And like, granted, yeah. I'm very blessed. I, had, I don't have the same heart condition that he's got. I've got enough fouls and stuff, but you know, that could have been missed. And it's really difficult of course. to be respectful to the GPs. But yeah. at the same time, exactly what you've said, like, you know your body. And yeah. sometimes like, you've got to think as well, Mm. you don't go to the GP a lot of people these days they don't go to the GP unless they really have to so exactly that yeah and I think that is something that I've learned through this process is it's not personal you don't have to worry about hurting their feelings if you just don't get along with a GP I've changed GPs since my my diagnosis was missed Mm. and now I have an amazing GP who is very supportive and she's very interested in um, fertility and stuff like that and that's brilliant for me that's the sort of GP I need so mm-hmm. we have to remember that you're not hurting their feelings if you don't if you're not happy with what that GP has said or their reasoning behind it you are within your rights to ask for a second opinion a second mm-hmm. doctor that doesn't mean you have to go private you can just say oh and like even to this day I still feel like women can relate more to women issues than a man mm-hmm. So if there is stuff like that, don't be afraid to say, no, actually, I would feel more comfortable with a woman. Or yet again, I feel like my old GP was slightly older, was a bit more old school, um, whereas my new GP is a little bit more modern and is a bit more knowledgeable about the issues I have. So I think, yet again, like, don't worry about asking to change GPs if you're not happy or, you know, or like you say, can you just tell that, can you just make sure that that doctor doesn't ever ring me again? Because I didn't didn't really like the way they said it. Like, you know, there's, you're within your rights to do that. And it's not personal. That doctor's not going to go home and lose any sleep over it. Like... It sounds so bad. I think, I think I've blacklisted about three of them now. They must just see my my name on the register and go, oh, bloody hell, it's that Jasmine again. But it's just, it is frustrating. And it. I think, when was it? Like, end of 2018. I remember, I think I've spoken about this as well. Like, mm. it must have been like 
2019 um god that feels like a long time ago but yeah like when I was I went to them with like my when I was going through like my real dark moments like with depression again um yeah I was coming up post-show and everything like they just completely dismissed me like totally dismissed me was like oh I think you've got to eat disorder and I was like you can't just woody nearly say that to someone and I was like no what what's going on and then I just literally that that conversation in that office was like five minutes and then I got thrown to the completely wrong department I went to the eating disorders department they're like what are you doing here I was like what are you doing here I was like in the nicest way possible I really don't know but it's it's I think it's scary sometimes, like the power some of these GPs have. Like I sat there for a month thinking, have I got an eating disorder now? Like they've just thrown me here. And the woman was like, no, I think you're just going through a lot of like trauma and a lot of grieving. I was like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I know. Um, yeah, I think it's, it, is, it, is, it is frustrating because it's experiences that you've had, experiences that a lot of people in this podcast would have mm-hmm. had, like it makes it really hard to try and feel like you can go and be honest with someone. But just of course don't give up like find your gp yeah there's gonna be a nice one there is gonna be a nice one yeah You've got to keep going. exactly i mean i was told by my gp for three weeks that my symptoms were due to an sti even though i had two negative sti results but yeah. she was still insistent that that's what it was and yet again i think there's nothing wrong with saying okay i i you know i appreciate your opinion um and it was only two weeks before that that she seemed to think that my symptoms were post-covid related and I was like oh I've never heard of that before but you know that was what she was trying to suggest and she didn't ever once wanted to consider that my side effects were to do with cancer yeah so there's no harm and that's what I always try and advocate to people that if you're not kind of happy with the first response always 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 ring up speak to someone different ask for someone different yeah. um it might it might just be like I always say it's like the luck of the draw sometimes especially with GPs now you get someone ring you and they're amazing and you get someone that rings you and really couldn't care less and you're really like oh that was a pointless phone call then just get back onto it and get someone else to ring you definitely yeah. no, and like yeah again I can bring everything back to bodybuilding your coach is amazing for you my coach is amazing for me my coach might not work very well with you. And that's how I think with GPs, everyone has a person. And that's why there's so many coaches out there. And that's why coaches have coaches yeah. because everyone has somebody that they work with that are compatible with them and it works their style, their techniques work for you. Not everyone, not everyone likes doing macros. Not everyone likes doing food plans. Everyone has different styles and it's exactly the same with the GP, isn't it? Like, yeah, totally. A hundred percent, man. And you've reminded me, I need to sort out my smear test. Literally, that, <laughs> landed, that landed on my oh what is, he went to my mum's house don't know what keeps happening things keep going to my mum's house so I'm like what's going on but um yeah that came to me I think Friday so I, have, I, have, I think the admin department for the cervical cancer screening program have clearly overstaffed and not got anything better to do because I think most women have had a had a letter a reminder letter this this week including myself oh yeah so and this is the second reminder letter I've got since having treatment for cervical cancer which means I can never have another smear test but I've still received two letters to remind me of that you've never had a you can't have another smear test okay no not now I'll always I'll be always checked by my consultant Mm -hmm. yeah because it's too it's too risky they might do damage and I don't know, but I definitely wouldn't have one now, that's for sure. And another lady that I went through treatment with, she also got her letter this week reminding her. And she only just got the all clear like two, three days before. And then she got a letter saying, oh, you need to come for a smear test. And she was like, no, I don't think I do. Yeah. Let's just like pass through that. Maybe not. Yeah. So if there's anything like, I guess, lasting words that you could give to any competitor... Um, especially for like going into this year, like what would you say to them? Um, I think as we've all learned over the last year, anything, everything's unexpected. And I don't think that moving forward with competing, everything is going to be a bit rocky. No one really knows what's going on. But the one thing you can control is your mindset. So if you want to compete, 
make sure you have the right mindset and you surround yourself by the most positive people you can. I know when I prepped before, I would follow hundreds of Instagram page for food, for food. And I would sit there drooling over food through my hungriest moments. That is not good for you. You need to cut that out. (laughs) So surround yourself by really positive people, people that are going to influence you in the right way. And like I say, if if you are trying to prep through lockdowns, just keep yourself in your own lane. You know what you need to do. Um, and hopefully eventually you will get onto the stage at some point this year. I think that's most of our plans. But in terms of health, I would say always, always put your health first. I know we've said this before. You, We want to achieve our goals. We want to achieve um, our get to stage. But don't let that take away from anything that could implicate your health in the long run. And if there are any concerns whatsoever, um, especially with women health, then please do reach out to someone whether that be a friend, your coach, a family member, or your GP. And obviously, like we've just discussed, take-home message. If you don't like the answer you got from the first person, keep searching for answers. You know your body better than anyone else. Um, so don't don't take that for granted. I know that I never thought in a million years that I would ever have cancer and I'd have this huge impact on my life like I have now. So I, and I was always very careful and I just wish that I pushed for answers rather than allowing someone to tell me what they thought it was, even though I didn't agree. Uh So definitely put your health first and just be nice to people and take care of everyone because we're all in the same boat right now. Mental health problems are through the roof. Everyone's struggling. Everyone's got some sort of anxiety or depression, feeling lonely. We don't know what's going on behind closed doors. People can post whatever they want on Instagram, but behind closed doors, they could be going through something very different. So just be nice to people. And go get your smear test. And and most importantly, go and get your smear test. If you are booked for it, do not delay it. Don't put it off because it can save your life. Exactly. Amazing. I'm so glad we got to catch up. Like, so proud of you, mate. I'm excited to see the destiny come back to the stage this year. Oh, I know. I I really hope it does go ahead, but... We're just going to have to wait and see, aren't we? We're going to have to just see what the future holds. But like I said, I'm intending to prep prep at home. Um, when when gyms open, amazing. And as soon as venues open and we can get shows on, I'm so keen to do that. And if I can do the show in my hometown of Bournemouth, I will be over the moon. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. But I hope you guys have enjoyed this episode and found it very inspiring. So definitely, every time I speak to this lady, I'm just like, finish up so pumped. <laughs> have a lovely day guys thank you Destiny for coming on and And thank you for listening you're very welcome and we'll see you guys in the next episode